Hey, before we jump into the podcast, just want to give a quick reminder, if you're new here to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, to please just take a quick second and subscribe to the podcast. It takes literally a second to do. Just hit the subscribe button right there in your podcast player. Also, if you want to help us out, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review. Now, if you're more of a visual person, you like to actually watch the podcast, you can actually do that over on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. Just go to youtube.com, search Holistic Nootropics, You'll see our page pop up. Subscribe to that. Hit the little bell icon so you can get notified every single time new videos drop because we don't just do podcasts over there. We do product reviews. We do all kinds of nootropic and biohacking and holistic health topical videos. So go on over, check us out on the Holistic Nootropics YouTube page. And for all things nootropics, nutrition, and biohacking related, go on over to holisticnootropics.com. Okay, let's jump into the podcast. You're listening to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, your home for holistic, evidence-based cognitive enhancement strategies. And now your host, Eric Levi. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Holistic Nootropics Podcast, where we talk about using nootropics, nutrition, and biohacking to help you hack the power of your brain. My name is Eric. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner. And today on the podcast, I have Dr. Michael Platt. Dr. Platt, welcome to the Holistic Nootropics Podcast. Well, hi there. Glad to be here. Great to have you here, Dr. Platt. Um, I, I, I'm very excited to chat with you today because I find you have a very interesting approach to um, holistic health and wellness. You're you're a uh, a licensed physician. You're you know been practicing for a long time, but you have a very uh, what seems to be holistic approach to a lot of complicated. Um, you know, disorders, especially pertaining to the brain. So I want to talk to you all about that, uh, specifically about how you view things like uh, adrenaline dominance and adrenaline's role in a person's overall health. But before I do that, I, I just kind of want to pick your brain a little bit and, and ask you how you came to such a unique perspective and a little bit about your background in the medical field. <clears throat> Interesting question. The, um, you know, medicine has always been a passion for me. And, and I realized my, my mother developed breast cancer um, right around 1980. And, um, and I realized at that time that I had actually inherited her hormones. You know, people don't realize that men and women have the same hormones. And, uh, and that's when I first started getting interested in hormones. And, uh, and, and people really don't realize that hormones control everything in the body. And, and in spite of this, you know, doctors get very little training in hormones. Uh, and in fact, doctors are not even trained to treat the cause of illness. They're just trained to give out Band-Aids. And um, that's neither here nor there. But the thing is, is that um, I realized that I had inherited um, uh, her tendency to have too much insulin and um, and I also realized that uh, I probably was low in progesterone uh, because that's what caused her breast cancer. So, uh, so that's what got me interested in hormones. And, and, and I tried to find out as much as I could. But what happened was, is that I had an advantage that I was able to sit down with my patients for about two hours and talk to them. And as you probably know, you know, history is 90% of a diagnosis when talking to a patient. And, 
And, you know, I've written several books. And if you ever, you, you'll notice on my books, there, there are no uh, ref referrals in my books. Um, you know, because everything I've learned, I've learned from talking to my patients. And, uh, and it opened up a whole new world to me. And, um, and I'm a great believer in, in, in treating the cause of illness. And, and knowing hormones allows you to do that, actually. So anyway, that's basically it. So you you've pretty much come at this from, you know, cause everybody kind of has their angle. It seems like in, in medicine, you know, um, and I find the hormone thing to be real interesting because like you said, so many doctors don't understand hormones. And I find even people like endocrinologists who it, you would think their entire field is based off of hormones, don't understand these fundamentals of, of hormones, yet they control so much of what we do every day. Um, you're absolutely right about that. Uh, the, the doctors that probably have the least knowledge, I, I, I have to apologize to some of your listeners, but the doctors that seem to have the least knowledge of hormones are gynecologists. And they're the ones that treat women. And, uh, and you're right, endocrinologists, um, you know, they've, they've been brainwashed by, by drug companies. So, you know, so, so they, they won't go outside, um, you know, the, the evidence-based medicine parameters to getting people better. So what do you think then is the most misunderstood thing? I know it's kind of a loaded question, but, um, you know, if you could boil it down to a couple, you know, kind of subtopics, what do you think is probably the most misunderstood thing about hormones? Um, well, there's a, actually, um, there's a lot uh, that's misunderstood. Uh, a lot of people are afraid of hormones. Um, you know, the, um, but, you know, the thing is, is that um, when it comes to hormones, my least favorite hormone is, 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 is estrogen. And, um, and estrogen to me is a very toxic hormone. It's it, beneficial to some degree, but it's also a very toxic hormone. And, and I think that, that the most misunderstood thing about hormones is related to estrogen because, you know, they allow birth control pills, you know, to be, to be sold. They, they, they still use estrogen to fatten animals like chicken and cattle, <clears throat> even though it's a known uh, carcinogenic, uh, you know, it causes cancer. Um, the, um, and probably the least known hormone is progesterone. And it's an incredibly important hormone. And, and most, most people and doctors think that it's a woman's hormone, but men and women have the identical hormones. But progesterone is a hormone that, that actually helps to, to prevent problems related to estrogen. It blocks insulin and, uh, and it blocks adrenaline. It's an incredibly important hormone. Um, so the, um, anyway, I, uh, anyway, I guess there's just a general lack of knowledge about hormones. And yeah. I mean, because the, the, the hormone cascade, it's so, it's so vast, you know, the way that the, the hormones have precursors and then they can, you know, they can kind of cross over in the things they do. And, and because they do influence so much, I would imagine, you know, this is where a lot of the misunderstanding comes from. Um, and I have heard that estrogen is, it would make sense that it would be like the least favorable hormone to have. Um, but progesterone, you, you, you never hear, you know, you hear about hormone replacement therapies, you know, women getting more estrogen, men getting more testosterone, but 
my knowledge of progesterone is that it's 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 actually closer to the beginning of the whole cascade. So it would make sense that, you know, because progesterone, I believe, can make testosterone and estrogen. So you would want more progesterone if you can get it more naturally to help influence those a little bit more. Is that kind of correct? Or? It's sort of, yeah, you know, preg pregnenolone is the grandmother of all hormones. Sure. And, and pregnenolone converts directly into DHEA and progesterone and all other hormones come from DHEA and progesterone. Um, the, um, but the, the thing about progesterone, you know, it, aside from the fact that it causes cramps and PMS and breast tenderness, you know, it causes fibroids and endometriosis and polycystic ovaries, and it causes uh, gallbladder disease, and it causes asthma, and it causes migraine headaches, and it causes- That's, that's estrogen, right? Yes. Okay, sorry. Oh, uh, it causes, you know, blood clots and, and uh, phlebitis and, and, uh, and six different cancers. I mean, to me, it's a, just a very toxic hormone. Um, and the only reason a woman needs a high level of estrogen is if she's trying to get pregnant. That's the only reason. So when women enter the menopause, you know, what we have done, we've taken a, a natural condition called the menopause and turned it into a disease that had to be treated and they treat it with estrogen. Um, so, and, and nowadays, uh, you know, doctors, you know, they're getting, using pellets in, <laughs> which I don't approve of, but, uh, but, but when, when they give women estrogen pellets, they, they put them on progesterone, oral progesterone, and oral progesterone converts into a different hormone called allopregnenolone. So they're getting all these pellets and they're not being protected with progesterone. They, doctors think they're being protected, but they're not. Um, so I'm just saying there's a lot of misunderstandings, uh, but the, probably the, the, the number one hormone that is completely off the radar is adrenaline. And, um, and it's the underlying cause of so many conditions. In fact, a lot of these conditions have felt to be incurable. And yet you can actually cure them just by lowering adre adrenaline levels. And we can talk about that. Yeah, let's let's talk about adrenaline because uh, I, I've heard you talk on other podcasts about this idea that adrenaline is behind not even serious diseases, but just kind of daily things that lower your quality of life. You know, for instance, it could be behind something like uh, attention deficit um, disorder or just general attention. Uh, I hate I hate using ADHD or attention deficit disorder because I feel like nowadays we all have at least a little bit, some degree of attention deficit. But um, I've heard you talk about uh, adrenaline being behind, you know, these things like ADHD or anxiety or depression or even um, physical pain. Uh, and I know this all kind of works alongside, you know, your cortisol and your natural circadian rhythm. So maybe you can go in a little bit about about how adrenaline fits into all that. The, um, you know, uh, adrenaline uh, is, is a very powerful hormone. It's a fight or flight hormone. And, and, but it's a very powerful hormone and, uh, and, you know, and, and it actually, you know, you've heard, may have heard of babies that have colic. Yep. You know, colic is all about adrenaline and you can actually eliminate colic within three minutes just by putting progestin cream on the baby's belt. Um, and then you may have heard of the terrible twos. The terrible twos is all about adrenaline. Mm. And then, and then. Next, next step is uh, you may have heard of bedwetting in children. And the only cause of bedwetting in children is excess adrenaline. And that can be eliminated in 24 hours. 
Um, and then we have ADHD and there are millions and millions of people with ADHD. Mm-hmm. And it's very it's a very misunderstood condition because they generally thought of as, as a learning disorder. And, and ADHD is not a learning disorder. It's an interest disorder. In other words, if somebody has ADHD, they will focus on subjects they're interested in. If they're not interested, they will not focus. And the reason for that is that adrenaline as a neurotransmitter makes the mind go very quickly. And if they're not interested, they get distracted very easily. So, but the most intelligent, successful, creative people in the world have ADHD. So how bad can it be? And, and the fact that they treat it with, with drugs and, and, you know, one of the side effects of these drugs is sudden death, by the way, but that's an accept, acceptable side effect within our standard of care. Um, but ADHD can actually be eliminated in 24 hours just by lowering adrenaline. Um, the, uh, but so, you know, I, I just find it almost reprehensible that, you know, this is uh, something that's com- been completely ignored. Um, you know, I, I, as you may, have, you know, I've written a book called Adrenaline Dominance. And just to give you an idea, it's the only book that's ever been written that talks about adrenaline. Um, and yet, you know, you, you know, you meant, you know, one of the conditions uh, that um, excess adrenaline causes is fibromyalgia. And, and fibromyalgia is felt to be incurable. And <laughs> but the thing is, is that all you need to do is lower adrenaline and you can get rid of it in three days to three weeks at the most. Um, I tell people with chronic pain that the best thing they can have is fibromyalgia because it's, a, it's the easiest pain condition to eliminate. Um, and, you know, even, you know, when people get cold hands and cold feet, you know, they always blame that on, on a low thyroid, but that actually the only cause of cold hands and cold feet is adrenaline. And, you know, when people carry a lot of tension in the back of their neck, um, again, that's adrenaline. And this, the tense muscles can actually cut off blood supply to the ears and you get tinnitus or it can cut off blood supply in, in, in the head and cause a severe headache called occipital neuritis. And occipital neuritis uh, is always mistaken for migraines. But the interesting thing is it's much more common than migraine headaches and doctors know nothing about it. Mm-hmm. And these headaches can be eliminated within minutes just by putting some progesterone cream on the back of the neck. So, you know, it, you know, I, I, I wanted, there was a time that I wanted to change healthcare in this country, but you run into so many, you know, roadblocks. Uh, you mentioned at the beginning that, that I was licensed, but I'm, you know, I surrendered my license about 11 years ago. I, I still have my MD, but I'm not licensed. And the reason the medical board had concerns is they had complaints from doctors and doctors complained that I was taking their patients off their drugs, which, which is true. When you treat the cause of illness, people don't need drugs. Mm-hmm. And um, so, the, um, so I, I fought the medical board for about three years. It cost me about a half a million dollars. You can't, you can't, you can't beat them. You know, <clears throat> they make up all sorts of things. They never had a single complaint from a patient, but they had all the, you know, a number of complaints from doctors. And, uh, but the medical boards are completely funded by drug companies. So they used to be concerned about consumers, but, but, but now they're only concerned about the business of medicine. And they will eliminate those doctors that are not good for the business of medicine. And unfortunately, I was considered not good for the business of medicine because I take people off drugs. Yeah. 
and that's the whole, you know, this is the world I'm in as well. You know, when you have a podcast called holistic nootropics and, you know, each of those words takes away from the bottom line of pharmaceutical companies. I can, I can definitely, uh, relate to you there. Actually, as we're recording this now, there's this big thing going on that the FDA has banned, um, selling of NAC on Amazon. And a lot of people are afraid they're going to essentially make it a um, uh, classified as a prescription drug. You can only get it with the prescription from your doctor. So, well, um, you know, the thing about NAC, it does have some benefits for, for COVID-19. Mm. And, you know, they're trying to eliminate anything that, you know, they want people just to do vaccines. Um, yep. They don't want anything, you know, you know, you never hear a word about vitamin D. And, you know, vitamin D prevents every flu there is, um, and it prevents people from getting sick from COVID. But you don't hear that. The 100,000 people that died in nursing homes probably could have been saved just by giving them vitamin D. Yeah. And I know this. I guess. No, it's it's uh, the more people can say it, I think it's the better. And I heard somebody say this the other day that, um, you know, when they have the seasonal flu, you back when we had the seasonal flu, um, you know, it actually wasn't a seasonal flu. It was a, because it would happen in the winter. It was a seasonal vitamin D uh, deficiency. Well, I, I hear that, but um, the thing is that we, years ago, we lost the ability to convert sunlight into vitamin D. I, mm -hmm. You know, you don't hear that, but I, I'm in Southern California. I've never had a patient with a normal vitamin D level, ever. And, um, and, but, but, 10,000 units of vitamin D will prevent every flu there is. And, um, and I, I can say that unequivocally with 100% assurance. So it won't prevent COVID, but it'll prevent people from getting sick from COVID, which is the same thing that the vaccines are doing. Absolutely. And this is interesting that we made it to vitamin D. I wasn't planning on going here, but um, considering vitamin D, at least I've heard that vitamin D is more of a hormone than a vitamin. Um, I'm wondering how, how this vitamin D then mixes with something like adrenaline and progesterone. Well, you know, all, you know, we, we live in a country where they do not allow preventive medicine. I don't know if you knew that. I'm, I'm familiar. Okay. So um, the, uh, but, you know, vitamin D is great for the immune system. Um, the, you know, adrenaline is not good for the immune system because it, it causes the body to produce cortisol when people are under stress and cortisol is not good for the immune system. And, and adrenaline also shortens what are called the telomeres, which, it, it, you know, affects people's lifespan. So the, um, but I think it all, comes together that if it, it doesn't take a lot to get people healthy. It really doesn't. Um, it's just a matter of treating the reason why they're not healthy. And unfortunately, that's not often done. You know? What do you think then is the biggest trigger um, for adrenaline dominance in a person? Is it diet? Is it lifestyle? Well, the, the biggest cause of excess adrenaline is genetic. Mm -hmm. In other words, uh, if, if one or both parents have excess adrenaline, there's the children will have it. And then their children's children will have it. it, it you know, uh, in other words, if you ever have a child with ADHD, then one or both parents have it also. Um, 
So, so the biggest trigger to excess adrenaline is, is genetics. Um, the, um, but, you know, diet is incredibly important when it comes to the level of adrenaline that people have. And, um, and you know, the, you, it's probably important to, to, to mention why the body puts out adrenaline. You know, most people think of it as the fight or flight hormone. And, and so the body releases it in times of danger, but that's actually a very, very rare reason why the body puts out adrenaline. I mean, how often are we in danger? Um, the most important function of adrenaline uh, is to make sure that the brain has fuel. Uh, most people do not realize that the brain uses more sugar than any other tissue in the body. And anytime the body detects that the brain is running out of sugar, glucose, it simply puts out adrenaline to raise glucose levels. So if people are eating in such a way that they're providing fuel to the brain, then right away that has a, a tremendous impact on actually lowering adrenaline. Um, the, uh, the brain only uses two different fuels. You know, one is glucose. That's the type of sugar that it uses. And then the other fuel it uses uh, are ketones. And, um, and, you know, people hear of a ketogenic diet, which I don't recommend. It's a very hard diet to accomplish. Uh, but you can get ketones directly from coconut oil or the derivative of coconut oil called MCT oil. So, so people can very easily get, you know, the, you know uh, and the best source of glucose for the brain actually comes from vegetables. And the reason for that is that vegetables don't stimulate a lot of insulin. They're, they're low glycemic. And, um, you know, candy and soda are great sources of glucose, but they produce a lot of insulin, which lowers sugar levels. So, uh, so vegetables are the best source of glucose. And then you have coconut oil and MCT oil. And if people start adding that into their meal plan and using progesterone cream, which will block adrenaline um, and in a 5% strength, I, I mentioned 5%, which means that each pump is 50 milligrams. And 50 milligrams is the exact strength that people need to block adrenaline. And um, so, so most of the over-the-counter progesterones are 2% or less, and they can actually even ask, act like estrogen. They'll, they'll, they'll attach to estrogen receptor sites. So 5% is the ideal strength for progesterone um, for all things that it needs to do. And people eat incorrectly, and, you know, they can get well without seeing a doctor, you know, they, uh, who don't have never heard of adrenaline anyway. So... Um, so what is the difference then between adrenaline and cortisol? Because I know cortisol has a very similar purpose, which is to make uh, glucose available to, you know, power your, your muscles, but, and your brain, but what is the main difference between the two? Well, let me explain it to a different way. Um, adrenaline peaks to two 30 in the morning. This is, you know, when people, and, and the reason for that is that the brain runs out of fuel around two 30 in the morning. And as, as soon as that happens, then the body puts out adrenaline to, to raise sugar levels, but adrenaline creates stress to the body. And the body responds to stress by putting out cortisol to deal with the stress. Mm. And then the first thing cortisol does through a process called glycogenolysis, it produces glucose, which is different from the way that adrenaline produces glucose through gluconeogenesis, a little bit different. So, so, but here you have two hormones adrenaline and cortisol that raise sugar levels. And this is while people are lying in beds trying to sleep. 
And it is probably the number one cause of weight gain because the whole thing about sugar, it doesn't matter whether you're eating sugar or if the body's making sugar, if you don't burn it up, then the, uh, the body stores the sugar as fat and, and fat cells. So I, I'm pretty well convinced that this is the number one cause of weight gain and nobody ever talks about adrenaline causing weight. Um, now, the thing about cortisol, um, you know, the, um, you know, it, it comes out to, to deal with stress, but it's, it's not a happy hormone. You know, it causes things like osteoporosis and it, it damages the immune system and um, it, it causes weight gain because of <laughs> rice and sugar level. So it's not a happy hormone. Do you find that adrenaline, like high amounts of adrenaline can essentially rob somebody of testosterone kind of in the same way that excess cortisol can? Actually, I haven't noticed that. I, okay. I have not noticed that. <clears throat> but adrenaline has a big effect on blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they have a, 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 a test called the hemoglobin A1C. <clears throat> um, and when it's elevated, they tell people that they're pre-diabetic. Well, the most common reason for an elevated hemoglobin A1C is just too much adrenaline. Remember, it keeps on raising sugar levels. And so all these people that are told they're pre-diabetic are not pre-diabetic. They just have a lot of adrenaline. Um, and, and even when people actually do have diabetes, um, you know, excess adrenaline can all obviously exacerbate that, you know, just, just by keeping, you know, raising blood sugar levels. So um, it's just, it just that adrenaline is just not thought about or talked about. And eventually it will be. Uh, you know, if they, if they have no other choice, they're going to have somebody's going to start having to recognize adrenaline. Yeah. And you're, and, and basically your, your, your solution for it is progesterone cream. And so I'm curious how you, what was your first foray into using progesterone cream and how you, how you figured out that this was actually something that works in the clinical setting on your observations? You know, I don't even know if I have the answer of that. I, you know, I've been working with progesterone for a long time and, 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 um, and it was probably the fact that I, I realized that a number of people that I've, I've put on progesterone um, benefited from getting rid of other problems that they're having. Um, you remember, I'm not a, you know, scientist. So, you know, basically everything I've learned is just observational and, um, but, you know, but when you do, when you're dealing with literally thousands of patients and they all get better by, you know, in terms of their ADHD or, or this, that, whatever, you know, I've never had a patient with fibromyalgia who did not get better. Um, so, um, so I can only assume that it's the adrenaline that, that is, you know, blocking the adrenaline receptor sites. Then that's what progesterone does, um, that it's helping. And it sounds like the progesterone, it sounds like you can almost say that, you know, at the heart of these problems is adrenaline because I know you're not a scientist. I'm not a scientist either, but 
using kind of like a scientific method, if we believe that progesterone can block adrenaline dominance and you use progesterone for these people that have these issues that they're definitely not coming to you thinking that it has anything to do with adrenaline. They've probably heard from other doctors that it's, you know, they have fibromyalgia because, you know, of this reason, or they have diabetes for that reason. And then you give them this progesterone and then you see their issues, they feel better. Um, then I think it's, I think it's safe to say that there is something behind that mechanism. Your hypothesis is certainly um, at least seems to be proven. Um, I had a, <clears throat> a patient who was in his forties who came to see me. <clears throat> and the one thing he complained about is that every morning he would wake up and vomit. And the only thing that will cause that kind of vomiting is adrenaline. There's nothing else that will cause that. And <clears throat> needless to say, he also had severe fibromyalgia. So I, I put some progestin cream on him and we started talking. And five minutes later, he sat back in his chair and he looked at me. He said, Doc, in my entire life, I have never felt this good. That's within five minutes. He never had another episode of vomiting after he left my office. And his fibromyalgia, of course, disappeared. But the thing is, it's very um, rewarding to get people better, having you know, to improve the quality of their life. And unfortunately, doctors don't see it, you know, um, as, as often as they really should. Um, the, you know, you may have heard of women that vomit throughout their entire pregnancy. Again, that's also adrenaline. Mm. And they have something called cyclical vomiting syndrome in children where they, they, they have to wind up in the hospital because they can't stop vomiting. This is all adrenaline. And it's, it's completely off the radar of doctors. Um, why is this? I mean, it's not that hard to figure out. Yeah. Maybe because there's not a test for it. Or is there a test for it? Well, the best test is actually a morning cortisol, a blood test. A morning mm -hmm. cortisol, because remember, the adrenaline comes out, it causes stress, the body puts out a, a cortisol to deal with the stress. So a morning cortisol blood test, not a saliva test, a blood test, before 9 o'clock is, is the best test for elevated adrenaline. But you can't go by the normal level. And, and the reason for that is that they use doctors to, or, or medical students to figure out what the normal levels of cortisol should be. But all doctors have increased adrenaline, all doctors. Have oh, wow. So, so the levels of cortisol, the normal levels are too high because these people have a lot of adrenaline. So the normal level goes up to 19.4, but anything above 13 should be really considered high. And you were saying that uh, that adrenaline peaks at about two o'clock in the morning, um, two thirty. Yeah. Okay, so I would imagine that this could maybe be behind some people's sleep problems. Oh, it's the number one cause of insomnia is you know, and and there's something called restless leg syndrome, which you can get rid of in thirty seconds. Uh, people that toss and turn, people that grind their teeth at night, that's all adrenaline. Um, so. People that get up at night to urinate um, is m mostly adrenaline. Could be the prostate, but it's usually adrenaline. Sure. So if you were, so if somebody came to you and they, and then you suspected they had an adrenaline issue and their main complaint was sleep, would they use progesterone cream at night before they go to bed? It's the best time to use it. Um, and I, I have people eat something before they go to sleep because remember, then the body puts out adrenaline to raise sugar levels for the brain. So. So uh, I recommend that they eat some, something like leftover vegetables right before they go to sleep. 
and mm. use the progesterone right before that, and they'll sleep throughout the whole night. And what's the best way to apply uh, like uh, progesterone? Well, normally, uh, one, you know, at, at, again, we're talking about a 5% strength. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, that's important. That's the strength you need to block adrenaline. So one pump put on the forearm, you rub the two arms together. That's the best place. Um, I don't that's the back of the forearm, like here or the front? Uh, the, the front. Okay. The, the inner forearm. Uh-huh. Uh, those people that carry a lot of tension in the back of their neck, uh, that's another really good place to put it. Um, if they have restless leg syndrome, I have them massage it into the top of their thighs. If they ever get cramps in their calves or feet, then again, to massage it where the cramp is, will go away in about 30 seconds. Um, the, um, and with, you know, and it's safe for babies, you know, you know, baby, when the fetus is in the womb, it's exposed to incredibly high levels of, of progesterone. So it's extremely safe to give to babies with colic. You, you can't harm them with it. Um, and you can use it for children that are bedwetters, uh, along with eating correctly, go away in 24 hours instead of years that they have to deal with it. Um, it the, the point is, it's not hard to get people well. It really isn't. You just have to treat the reason why they're not well. And, and is it is it's okay for guys to take this? Because I obviously I know progesterone is it's a it's a mostly women dominated product. Um, especially for women who are trying to get pregnant. Um, but <clears throat> men, it's okay to, it, it's okay for a man. It won't mess with their testosterone. No, not at all. Um, in fact, it'll help with their, because it blocks estrogen. Mm-hmm. It'll actually make testosterone work better. Um, the, um, but you know, if men and women have the identical hormones, this is not a woman's hormone, uh, different levels, but men, men stop making progesterone right around the age of 50. It stops. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, after that is when they start developing prostate cancer because they, 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 they have no protection anymore from estrogen. And, and men, men wind up with higher levels of estrogen than women ever, um, you know, after the menopause. Um, Does using progesterone uh, affect the natural production of progesterone in any way? It doesn't because there's no such thing as a progesterone stimulating hormone. Um, so, no, it, it won't affect it at all. Okay. The um, so yeah and and you know people should you know I don't know if they need to know this but you know you know um, adrenaline is both a hormone as well as a neurotransmitter and you know the hormone you know when you talk about kids with ADHD this is why they're hyperactive um, but you know you know I talk in my book, Adrenaline Dominance, I, I talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the only sec- thing I put in the good section was ADHD, by the way. Um, because, like I say, the most intelligent, successful, creative people know have ADHD. But, you know, there's another type of ADHD called ADD. And these are kids that have trouble focusing, but they're not hyperactive. But these are what, what I call the creative type ADHD. These are creative type children uh, or adults. Um, and creative, if people with creative type ADHD had the most adrenaline, actually. And the way people would know if they're a creative type person is that creative people are very intuitive about other people. They can pick up good energy and bad energy. And they often have premonitions and deja vu type feelings. And they'll also find that animals are very attracted to them. You know, creative people attract animals. But, um, and there's a reason for that. But... You know, dog whispers and horse whispers are the ones that 
have all this adrenaline and, uh, and adrenaline is a neurotransmitter allows them to tap into the energy that goes through the air. A lot of energy from cell phones and Wi-Fi and satellite. So because they can tap the energy, um, this is why they're very intuitive, they have premonition, but animals can sense that energy. They're very attracted to it. And uh, clairvoyance and psychics, this is how they do their job. So adrenaline, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's some interesting facets to it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sounds like it definitely has its place in, in our physiology, but it just seems like nowadays, you know, whether it's genetic or it's, you know, because of your lifestyle, I'm sure there's a trauma element to it as well. Um, you know, it, it just seems like it's just so overwhelming these days more than it's probably supposed to be. <clears throat> there's only one downside to progesterone. Um, have you ever heard the term type three diabetes? Yep. Okay. Alzheimer's. Well, it certainly can predispose to Alzheimer's. Yep. And, and this is, uh, the other term for that is insulin resistance in the brain. Mm -hmm. And so people that have type three diabetes, um, cannot tolerate progesterone. And the reason for that is that progesterone, because it does create some degree of insulin resistance, which is a it's a good thing because it prevents people from getting sleep in the afternoon when insulin peaks and prevent, prevents people from getting sleep when they're driving. But if people already have insulin resistance in the brain, type 3 diabetes, and use progesterone, it makes it even harder to get glucose into the brain cells. So there's an immediate, immediate release of more adrenaline. And, you know, what's interesting, they don't have a test for type 3 diabetes. There is no test for it. But if somebody uses progesterone and they all of a sudden get, a, get an outpouring of adrenaline, they have type 3 diabetes, or you certainly have to look for that. Certainly sounds like something like progesterone can be used for, you know, a lot of people who are going down that mainstream medicine, you know, uh, on and off ramp and, you know, want to find a way out, but just cannot find that, that, that you know, that thing that can help support what they have. And it sounds like progesterone by lowering your adrenaline dominance can certainly have an effect for whether it's, um, you know, some of these more physiological fibromyalgia, autoimmune disorders, all the way up to, you know, ADHD, depression. Um, it all has an adrenaline component. Yeah. Anxiety. You mentioned depression. Um, you know, there are basically two different types of depression. One is um, reactive, where people lose a job or somebody dies and they react to that. But there's an endogenous depression. This is a depression that comes from within. And the most common cause of that is internalization of anger. And adrenaline is the anger hormone. And so it's probably the number one cause of endogenous depression. Um, again, but anxiety goes away immediately. Uh, women with what they call an overactive bladder, you know, they have to run to the bathroom and they get leakage or something like that. Um, you know, again, that's adrenaline, except some women are now getting Botox injections in the bladder, which means for the next three months, they have to self-catheterize themselves. Uh, wouldn't it be easier just to use some progesterone cream and get rid of it? I, I don't know. 
Um, we are coming up to the, the end of our call here. Um, before we sign out, is there anywhere, if somebody's listening and they'd like to work with you or they, it, you were, I think you mentioned that you have your own progesterone cream product, um, that somebody can find this. What is the best way for somebody to stay in touch with you, Dr. Platt? Well, I, I have a website. It's www.plattwellness.com. Um, the, um, and I, I have my, you know, a excellent progesterone product on there and my books, um, and my, the, if they need to get, they can always call the office, which is 760-836-3232, 760-836-3232. If they have questions, but, um, you know, um, but I'm, I, I always enjoy answering questions so that they won't be bothering me. That's good to know. And we'll, we'll put all those links and everything in our show notes. It'll be on our website along with the show page uh, for this episode of the podcast. Um, well, Dr. Platt, this has certainly been an enlightening uh, chat. I've learned a lot about progesterone, estrogen dominance. I might go slap a little progesterone on tonight and see if it helps my sleep. Um, I certainly appreciate your time. Thank you so much for joining me today. One last thing. Sure. <clears throat> progesterone good for dogs. Uh, dogs that have separation anxiety and all they need to do is put it inside the ear, which is like skin. It'll go away in about one minute. So. Okay. So that's good for like the dogs who bark a lot when you leave and uh, scratch up your door and or dogs that are aggressive, you know, okay. adrenaline. Okay. Wow. Well, there you go. We'll get some, if, if nothing else, get some for your dog, save those scratch marks and uh, having to return your security deposit or get not getting your security deposit from your landlord. Exactly. Yeah. Um, well, Dr. Platt, again, thank you so much for joining me today and listener, be sure to check out the show notes to this podcast and every podcast that we've recorded at holisticnootropics.com. That's where we'll have the show notes to this podcast and all the podcasts that we have. And until the next one, thank you so much for watching. We'll catch you on the next podcast. I don't know how to sign out of these things. How do we do it? Dr. Platt. We'll catch you in the next one. Peace. Thanks for listening. For more brain-boosting info, in-depth articles, and show notes, check out holisticnootropics.com.